Pete Callender Show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. All right, caller Tim. Hello, Tim. Welcome to the program. How are you? How are you doing today? Hey, I'm all right. Hey, uh, I can see how this is all coming in full circle. It's global warming. Ultraviolet radiation has smoked their tires. So they're popping their tires on the way here. Now, if they listen to Al Gore, uh, they may have run some plastic Tonka toy tires or something on there, and they'd be okay. But... uh, the other part of your conversation there about the the Ukraine and get rid of their nukes. Uh, if if I was uh, Zelensky, I would play that thing all the time. Clinton Clinton on the loop. Well, you get rid of your nukes, we'll have your back type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just completely lied to him. Now it was same Democratic style president, not style, but Democratic president. So I think we kind of owe them. Uh, we we took away their main way to avoid a fight, and that's through strength. Uh, we couldn't have a we we couldn't have even speak about fighting with Russia if we didn't have nukes. So they took away their ability to really fight, and I think uh, we need to back them up. How and what, what does you, that what look do like? Think? What does that look like when you say back them up? What do you what do you mean by that? Well, if if I remember correctly, in the way the other gentleman was speaking, when Ukraine decided to give up their nukes, it was a deal where if something ever happened, we would have your back. And I don't see we would have their back. Right, but what does that what does that mean to you? What does that mean? And when you say when you're advocating for this, what is what does that mean to you? It means to supply them with uh, the correct weapons. Uh-huh. It means supply them with. Uh, military planes. So supply of ma- uh, supply of material, guns, weapons, whatever, uh, but not committing troops to go fight. Right, and to be truthful, uh, send them over a couple of nukes because when that, when Putin's looking, he goes, "Oh shoot, they got him again." Well, we didn't we didn't fire him off, but and that will never happen because strength. Um, Strength against strength means diplomacy, in my mind. I got uh, you. But strength against weakness is what's happening right now. Yeah, Other I took- than these people are incredibly strong, willed, backboned. Yeah. Tim, uh, thanks for the call, sir. I appreciate it. Um, it's, this gets to something I mentioned last week, which was the ability to say no to somebody, to an aggressor, is based on your ability to defend yourself from the violence. And that means either you know, some level of protection that is stronger than that person, or you are stronger than that person, right? Either physically or you're better armed or whatever. Like, that's the ability to say no at its core is a physically violent question. Limbaugh used to say it all the time. The world is governed by the aggressive use of force. And that's what NATO was developed and designed to to project to the Soviet Union, right? Like, I'm not a historian. I'm not an expert on this stuff. I, I've said from on Russia, Ukraine, like, not an expert. Don't want to see our troops go in there. But I understand they're not a NATO country either. But 
They're getting very close to the NATO countries, and Russia's been making. So they just, Russia's putting out something today. They got they got like a list of countries that are behaving unfriendly towards Russia. They put Taiwan on there. Gee, I wonder what that's about. Um, this is like I'm looking at the NATO alliance, and if you are if you are going to make a case that we need to disband the NATO alliance then I'm going to assume that there isn't anything else in its place. Because the thing about NATO, for me at least, was always it's better than the UN. <laughs> like To me, I always looked at NATO as the better option versus the United Nations because the United Nations is just worthless. Right? I mean, you, 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 send, you send UN troops in some place and I don't even think they get guns. So... Yeah, they're just peacekeepers, right? They're there to observe the pillaging and the murdering and such. Not to mention the way that they govern themselves and they put despots and dictators on their human rights councils and stuff. Like, no, I'm I'm not a fan of the UN. NATO? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty good with NATO because it's, it's the concept is we band together so our military is stronger than any other nations. That's the point, right? So a single nation, I mean, this gets to the Norm MacDonald thing about Germany, right? And Germany comes along and says they're going to take over the world. Right? Like, not just another country, but the world, a single country, the world. So the world says no, you know, and after they beat him the first time, and then it comes back, right? World War II, they're going to take over the world again. This is Larry. Let's go to Larry. Welcome to the show. Hello, Larry. Good afternoon, sir. Hey. I, I enjoy your show. Thanks. For the comments that are made. I think that people tend to lean towards whatever party they're following. I'm hearing a lot of negativity towards the Democrat president who was in office when this deal was struck, and also towards the Democrat president that's in office now. If we had a Republican president right now, I don't think he would be doing any more to help Ukraine because, man, when it comes down to it, nobody wants a war with Russia. Mm-hmm. That would that would be the end of the world as we know it. Right. That's my that's my comment. I now, appreciate the call. Uh, you called me, but thank you for the call. Thank you, Larry. Um, I appreciate it. No, I, 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 uh, I don't know what other options would be available. I also don't know what Republican candidate Larry had in mind there. Um, because different Republicans would have behaved differently. I mean, John McCain versus Donald Trump, for example. So not that McCain was ever president, but, you know, different, they're different people. So they would have different approaches, I think, to, um, to the sanctions, what kind of sanctions I, I can say a Republican governor or a, a Republican president probably would not have shut down Keystone pipeline. Probably, probably would be, you know, Drilling for more oil on American soil and more energy exploration and, you know, become an energy superpower. I think a Republican would be more likely to do that than Joe Biden. Joe Biden at the state of the, in fact, actually, hang on a second. I have, well, I don't have enough time. I'll play it after the break. Tom Tillis spoke about this very thing uh, that he was disappointed to hear Biden during the state of the union double down on these same policies, particularly the Green New Deal stuff. No, we 
we do not need to be beholden to foreign countries, particularly nasty ones like it was always Saudi Arabia, but also Russia and also Venezuela. Like we should not be at their mercy. We should be energy independent. And if you can produce for me some, you know, evidence that you can get there by solar or wind or whatever, then let's see the evidence. But as far as I know right now, the evidence does not suggest that you're going to be able to create enough energy to support this country on those things alone. So oil, natural gas, nuclear. And at some point in the future, the other technologies catch up. Fine. I don't care about any of that. I care about being energy independent. That's what I care about. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. U.S. Senator Tom Tillis did a uh, Zoom news conference. New Zoom, a new Zoom conference. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, if I can't get Votainer to stick, maybe this one will. A new Zoom conference. He did it the day after the president's State of the Union speech, but um, he talks about Ukraine and he talks about, uh, well, one other topic, which I'm going to pivot into. But this was one of the things that he was, he said he was most disappointed in the president's speech, which was, all of the policies that came after the Ukraine stuff. Take a listen. Last week, I, I went uh, I visited with some family for a couple of days, and I took an opportunity to go back to a trailer park that I grew up in. And I will tell you, if you have conversations with those people who are struggling paycheck to paycheck, they're not better off today than they were a year ago. Um, whatever wage gains they made have been eaten up by inflation. Businesses need people to work. Unemployment may be low, but there are over almost 8 million jobs open. Businesses are struggling. And last night, the president proved that he was tone deaf when he looked at the the small businesses in North Carolina that create about 80% of the jobs in North Carolina. He looked them in the, in the eye through the camera and said, uh, cut cost and raise wages. How does that work when their costs have gone up? It almost sounds like he thinks that small businesses are doing fine and they just need to cut their margins. It sounds like Tom Tillis listened to my show because I made the same point the next day. Okay. We've got thousands of businesses in North Carolina that are on the brink of going out of business and the employment goes along with it. So I think the president needs to get out like I do in North Carolina and talk to businesses that are struggling. What I would have liked to have heard, I agree completely with what he said in the, about the first 10 minutes of his speech on Ukraine. We need, to, we need to come together. We need to work with our NATO partners and allies. And then he basically represented failed policies or policies that would harm the American people, reintroducing the Green New Deal, talking about taking over state or state elections, federalizing elections. Um, he, he, he basically recast a failed policy that has not gotten any bipartisan support. Um, I would have liked to, for, to hear him talk about where we really can come together, uh, make sure that more of these jobs get filled, make sure that costs go down, make sure that inflation starts bending the curve. I agree. 
that we turned the corner with COVID. That started through Project Warp Speed and getting vaccines in historic time. And it continued with this president getting test kits, getting uh, vaccines out there. But we've got some fundamental problems with this country that if we don't get under control, it's going to get a lot worse. And the Ukraine incursion makes it even more challenging. It's a time where in the same way we're trying to come together with our response to Russia, we should be coming together with what American people, struggling families need to make ends meet. All right. So I tend to I tend I, I tend to agree with Senator Tillis on that. I do like I I. I thought Joe Biden did fine on the Ukraine stuff and then reintroduced all of this, all these garbage policies, which undermine our national security. And, you know, at some point, like I do believe, like there is probably there are there are people who are intentionally doing that. I do believe that. I'm not saying Joe Biden is one of them. I don't know. He has been wrong on basically every single foreign policy issue his entire life. So he could just be wrong again. Like, that's what the odds are. He's just wrong all the time. So um, there was one other question, though. One other question that Tillis was asked, and it came from the McClatchy report. Senator Tillis, this is Danielle Battaglia with the News and Observer and the Charlotte Observer. And I wanted to piggyback off Ben's question Um, You have said in the past that you'd be comfortable with either Pat McCrory or Ted Budd becoming the next um, GOP nominee for the U.S. Senate. And this week they've had a back and forth because um, Congressman Budd has said several times that while Putin is evil, he's both smart and intelligent. And uh, Pat McCrory has said that he has no place saying that and then a sitting member of Congress should not be using words like that to describe him. Um, How do you feel about those comments and also does that change where you stand on the two candidates well uh, both uh, pat mccrory and ted budd are friends of mine but here's what i'll tell you i'm not i'm not going to comment on their comments but here's what i'll tell you vladimir putin may be smart but so was ted bundy and jeffrey dahmer they were both intelligent people but they were murderers and vladimir putin is allowing mass murder to occur in ukraine and we should we should actually simply stay focused on that and stay focused on the safety and security of the people who are fighting for their country. I'm sorry. Uh, This is politics, uh, particularly North Carolina politics. No complex thoughts are permitted here, Senator. This is interesting to me on a couple levels. Have you heard, by the way, did you hear what Ted Budd said? It all started when Donald Trump called Putin smart. This was late February, and Trump, the former U.S. president, this is in the Guardian newspaper. It's a lefty British publication, so you know it's lefty. Um, it's def- uh, Trump has defended his description of Russia's Vladimir Putin as, quote, smart while seeking to blunt accusations that he admires the invasion of Ukraine. That is one way to frame the comment. He said, Trump said that, The Russian attack on Ukraine is appalling. It's an outrage and an atrocity that should never have been allowed to occur. We are praying for the proud people of Ukraine. God bless them all. As everyone understands, this horrific disaster would never have happened if our election was not rigged and if I was the president. Under Bush, Russia invaded Georgia. Under Obama, Russia took Crimea. Under Biden, Russia invaded Ukraine. I stand as the only president of the 21st century on whose watch... Russia did not invade another country. Okay, that's what he said. 
He said the problem is not that Putin is smart, which, of course, he's smart. But the problem, the real problem is that our leaders are dumb. They have so far allowed him to get away with this travesty and an assault on humanity. And so the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, they take this and they're like, Donald Trump is calling him smart. He praises Putin. He loves Putin. That's not the context at all. All right. More on this after. Every time I hear this song, I think of 21 Jump Street. Not the movie with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. Very funny. But no, the original Johnny Depp. Peter DeLuise, Richard Grieco. <laughs> it was on one of the episodes. That's the only thing. That's R.E.M. Anyway, um, I mentioned Ted Budd and the comments that he made echoing what Trump said. And Monica is exactly right on Twitter. She says uh, that's basically the same thing that Trump said. Right. What Tilla said is basically what Trump said. Like you can call somebody smart and not be praising them. Right? Like, you can say, oh, I really hate that person, but they're smart. Like, that doesn't mean you love them and, like, you're in uh, cahoots with them. The complete lack of critical thinking and nuance that is afforded anything Donald Trump says. And look, I get it. I've said this for years. The guy speaks in word salad. I understand that. It's difficult. I have certain understandings of definitions of words, and then he uses them, and then I'm told that I have to reassess what my understanding of that word means in that context. So I understand that. But he was actually pretty clear on this one. He was reading from a teleprompter. He was pretty clear. He was talking about, yes, Putin is smart, but that's not the, that's not the thing. It's that our leaders are dumb. That's what he was. That's the point. That's the line. And media immediately runs out to every single Republican they can find to get the condemn or agree quotes. Defend or disavow. Everyone's favorite game in the media. Only played against Republicans. Defend or disavow. Defend or disavow. And so Ted Budd gets asked this question. And, well, here was his response. Did you agree with that? Did you think that was appropriate? We have to look at it in two ways. One of his good and bad, or I would say Putin is evil, but that doesn't mean he's not smart. Uh, he's a very intelligent actor, although I would say he's been quite erratic in this approach to the Ukraine. It was very predictable what he would do. But at the same time, Putin is evil. He's been he's an international thug, but he is intelligent, so we have to uh, treat him as such. Intelligent person doesn't do these stupid, evil things. That's Former McCrory. Governor Pat McCrory is among the candidates running against Bud in the Republican primary. It's unfathomable that, uh, that a sitting member of Congress who wants to be a U.S. senator would call Putin intelligent while bombs are being dropped on women and children. So, yeah, Pat, you're misconstruing what Bud, what he said. And he made, Ted Bud is correct. But also, here's something... People haven't picked up on for some reason what what Bud's comment also indicates is that his intelligence doesn't seem to be at play. Now, the idea that Putin was a smart guy, the guy was a former KGB guy, right? I mean, he is a thug. He is evil. He is all of those things. You could be the evil genius. It's literally a cliche. So 
you got this guy and he's in power and you thought he was way smarter and the way he's behaving right now, it's like, this is erratic, which would indicate what? Something is off. Something is amiss. You're trying to figure out how, a, how an intelligent actor is operating and it's not making sense. So maybe he's not as intelligent as you thought he was or maybe he's gone crazy. That I think that's where this is coming from. Either that or it's all propaganda, and what do I know? Um, he was also asked, oh, he was also asked about the debate, um, which, what you, yeah, I'll play it. I might as well play it. This was Ted Budd talking about whether or not he will go to the debates with any of his uh, opponents. Are you going to commit to hold a debate with the other Republican candidates? I've always said, and I've been very consistent for months now, that we're going to wait till the filing period is closed, and then we'll have that discussion. So not for sure. Well, we'll have the discussion, but we're going to have it after this Friday when the filing period is closed. Right. When the filing period is closed, we'll have the discussion. So he's not even actually committing to any debates. So we'll, we shall see. Um, but this idea that somehow or another Donald Trump was like, you know, singing the praises of Putin. And then Ted Budd had to de- has to defend Donald Trump and sides with Trump and that this is a completely egregious position. It, it is not. It's it's not. Um, I did think that Tillis answered it better. I thought Ted Budd's answer, though, was fine, too. He explained it. He said he's evil, he's a thug, but he he can be smart, too. Just like Tom Tillis said. Let me go over here to, uh, is this? Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the program. Hey. Hey. Uh, Pete, I would like some of these Democrats that's out here to call you and tell me and, and, and defend these gas prices and defend inflation and tell me how smart Biden is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yes, fair enough. Like, why don't we have the defend and uh, disavow game being played with uh, Biden and his allegation that the gas prices are because of Russia? Uh, now, there is some of that in there, no doubt about it, but the gas prices were well on their way north of uh uh, $3 a gallon before any of that happens. So, yeah, there it, there's, there is a set of rules that Republicans must abide that the left does not. I actually posted them, uh, wrote, wrote them up. I call it journalisming, and that's one of the rules that I that it, it is easily identifiable. Jimmy, I appreciate the call, man. Um, I thought, though, so this is the News and Observer story by Danielle Battaglia, who was the reporter that asked that question. Um, how to describe Putin has been a key point of tension between two candidates in North Carolina seeking the GOP nomination for the state's other U.S. Senate seat. I don't know if it's been a key point of tension. Pat McCrory saw an opportunity to make some political hay, and he took it. And he's going to try to undermine Ted Budd as a, uh, you know, as a candidate and as, as somebody who's serious on national security issues while trying to position himself as the better alternative. It's amazing how many political reporters don't seem to understand, like, politics. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Came across this article the other day by Ross Pomeroy at RealClearScience.com. Ukraine is a highly devout country. About 87% of its 41 million citizens practice Christianity. So it's notable that to many Ukrainians, Mary Magdalene now has a new moniker, Saint Javelin. The viral meme, which shows a picture of Mother Mary holding a javelin, shoulder-mounted, you know, rocket, (laughs) uh, 
recasting the Apostle of the Apostles is in reverence to a device that knows no religion. The FGM-148 Javelin Portable Fire and Forget Anti-Tank Missile. Since the start of Putin's dastardly invasion of Ukraine, Ukrainian freedom fighters have extensively utilized the American-made weapon system, co-produced by Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, to rain destruction down upon the Russian military's armored vehicles. Ukraine's defense ministry estimates that 102 tanks and 536 armored vehicles have been destroyed. Of course, this was like a week ago, and so the number's probably higher, but can you even trust the number? I don't think so. The Javelin likely factored heavily into their combat successes, though. This weapon allows a single soldier. Do you know how this thing works? It's, it's amazing. This weapon allows a single soldier to target and destroy even the most heavily armored main battle tank with an almost guaranteed kill rate at great range and with minimal risk, according to Army Captain Vincent Delaney, writing... Um, for the West Point's Modern War Institute. How does it work? Soldier using the portable reusable command launch unit, or the CLU. So you look through an infrared sight. You locate your target up to two and a half miles away. (laughs) When you spot the target, you operate a little cursor and you set a square around the target, like cropping a photo. This is then sent to the onboard guidance computer on the missile itself, which has a sophisticated algorithmic tracking system coupled with an infrared imaging device. And when the missile locks on the target, the operator can then launch the self-guided weapon and then quickly relocate or reload to fire another missile at a different target. But usually when you send one of these things off, like it's pretty obvious, like people can see like, smoke or hear it or whatever so probably best to you know duck behind something at that point there's no exhaust that hits the operator and uh the motor or so there are two innovations one was the motor that doesn't create any uh heat no no exhaust on the uh, operator the other is that it actually strikes from up above it comes down russian tanks are not helpless against the javelin. Most are equipped with explosive reactive armor. When struck by a penetrating weapon like a missile, the armor detonates, blasting a metal plate outwards to damage the missile's penetrator and prevent it from piercing the tank's main armor. The javelin overcomes that by having tandem warheads. So it's another. They got multiple warheads. One to deal with the reactive armor plating, and then the second impacts the tank armor itself. So it's like a one-two shot. Modern Russian tanks are also equipped with a radar system called ARENA, which detects incoming missiles and automatically fires a wide burst of projectiles to destroy or redirect them. But here again, the Javelin reigns supreme. The Javelin can defeat ARENA while in its top attack mode, due to the missile descending from too steep an angle for the system to engage properly. Ukraine had been shipped about 77 of these Javelin launchers and 740 missiles before Putin even invaded. Many, many more 
of each are now on the way, courtesy of U.S. and European allies. Thought that was just uh, an important piece to highlight that we may not have to send nukes or, or, or you know, uh, no-fly zones in, set up over Ukraine. We just keep pouring in the javelins because these things are pretty amazing. Um, piece in the Atlantic by Tom McTague talking about Volodymyr Zelensky. The free world might be spiritually marching behind Ukraine's leader, but the most powerful nations in the world are not fighting with him. They have calculated reasonably that they cannot risk a world war with nuclear-armed Russia. But Zelensky's defiance and his spirit does not only reveal his own character, it teaches us about the character of the West, too. There could be something a little distasteful about Western onlookers, myself included, cheering on Ukrainians for a cause that our countries are not willing to join, a stance that risks raising the price of a peace that will be paid only with Ukrainian blood. Nevertheless, it is possible to recognize this, to be inspired by what Zelensky represents, and then to be shamed by his example. Here's a nation and a leader willing to sacrifice so much for the principle of independence and the right to join the Western world, and yet much of the West is jaded and cynical, apparently devoid of any such mission, cause, or sense of idealism anymore. What is it that the West believes in now, he asks. A senior European defense official recently told me that the West needed to find a way to reimagine itself and its role in the world. The official said he was struck by how this sense of resignation was reflected in our culture as well. Movies, TV shows now rarely depict a heroic grand visionary. Only a never-ending struggle for supremacy. Cold War, you had guys like Rocky. Now we've got Game of Thrones and Billions and Succession channeling our new cynical reality. And Zelensky reminds us of that. I'm reminded by that music. Time for news. Back in a minute. 